is Hard Park, brought to you by Wright Honda and Wright Toyota, Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Jay Finning. Coming up on today's show, he is Mamba Smith, and he's just trying to find his way, doing whatever he can to get to the top. Young, energetic gentleman. This was a, a fantastic conversation. I feel like I've known him for a long time. I don't remember how I stumbled across him, but I know he had posted a picture of his father, and I was like, there was some strong coincidences there, and so I reached out to him on social media, and... We've stayed in contact ever since, and we finally got a chance to get him on the show. All that and more is coming up in just a few minutes after this word from Four Wheel Online. Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about Four Wheel Online. For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so go get outfitted today. So visit them online at Four Wheel Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's Four Wheel Online, the number four wheel online. A couple years ago, I signed up and I get get car news and I don't really share it as much. But let me know if this is what you guys like because I... Some of this stuff is pretty interesting, and I don't know where all you would find it. I get emails all the time. It's like, hey, would you be interested in talking to this person, or would you be interested in learning about da-da-da-da? This one I started skimming through. Study reveals where drivers are most reliant on their GPS. I thought it was very interesting. I'm going to go over it really quick on the highlights. This comes from utires.com. They surveyed 1,200 residents in the cities with most cars per person to determine how they rely on their GPS and their usage habits. Unfortunately, none of these cities are in Arizona, but I always wonder because my wife is so reliant on her GPS and I use mine all the time, but I come from a time where I'm always looking around and noticing things. I like to look around when I'm driving. I like to look around when I'm riding passenger. Like, oh, look at that building. That's kind of cool. Look at that mountain. It looks like something crazy. You know, I'm always looking around and just looking at stuff and observing things. And I've talked about this before in the past, but there's times where I go places with her, like when I got my LASIK surgery and I go, hey, honey, pay attention because you're going to have to drive me tomorrow. I don't need to pay attention. I'm just going to plug it into the GPS. I'm like, all right, fine. But I mean, just having a little bit of familiarity, she's not like, do I turn here? Because sometimes the GPS, by the time it tells you to turn, you're already, you've already passed the street. We've all experienced that. So according to the survey, where are most drivers depending on their GPS the top cities are Bakersfield, Raleigh, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, and Fort Worth, Texas. Let me tell you guys about Chicago really quick because it's not here, downtown Chicago. New York City, you ever tried to walk around New York City with your GPS trying to find the store? And it's like, wait, the store should be right here. We're standing right on top of it, but it's actually three blocks over. Those buildings are so tall. And depending on what's going on with the sky, your GPS is just out of whack. Probably why densely populated cities like that aren't in here. Fort Worth, Texas, out of all these cities, is probably the most densely populated. But at the same time, it's also more spread out than, say, downtown Dallas, which is shoved together. Not quite like New York or Chicago or L.A. But in big cities like that, your GPS is basically useless. That's my opinion. Interesting statistics. Percentage of drivers who couldn't go longer than a week without a GPS, 56% is the top in Bakersfield. Like, to be fair, like when I drive from here to Wright Honda, 
I know how to get there, but I have my GPS on all the time. I have it on Waze all the time because I want to know what the traffic situation is. I want to know if there's a road closed. You know, I want to know if police reported ahead. I want to know all of that. I know how to get there. I've been there enough times, but I still use my GPS. Now, if I'm going somewhere new, obviously I'm going to use my GPS because I don't want to have to print out maps and look at them. Which, by the way, I once pondered, where can you get maps? I went to Barnes and Nobles a month ago, and I walk in and there's this big display, and it's full of these giant maps, these little foldable maps, like the books, the little pocket ones, the things you get at the Welcome Center when you're traveling across the country. I thought those things were the exclusive domain of welcome centers across the United States, not right down the street at Barnes and Nobles. But this is what I find most interesting for me personally. Which GPS apps are most popular? Google Maps is number one at 63, Apple Maps at 14, My GPS Coordinates. What the hell is that? It's 6%. Here's the big one for me, Waze, 5%. 5%. It's rare that I come across somebody who doesn't even use Waze. And you're telling me only 5% according to this survey use Waze? What? I live and die on Waze. Car people, we live and die on Waze. 5%. I question this survey if only 5% of these people are using Waze. One in five have never used a paper map for directions. That's not surprising to me. Man, it's been a long time since we've used MapQuest. I remember the the Tom Toms. You get those as those boxes you put on your your dashboard, the Garmin maps, and you would have to pay extra on a rental car. Except for now, every car comes with it. So I'm not surprised one in five people have never used a paper map. And this is the last thing we'll get to Mama Smith. Using GPS leads to dangerous driving. Seventy one percent of people try to beat the estimated time. Uh, guilty. I look at that ETA as a challenge when I'm driving across the country. When I'm driving across the city, I'm like, oh, estimated time, 20 minutes. I'll get there in 15. But then what always seems to happen is you get ahead and then something happens and you get there right on time. Every once in a while you get there early, but most of the time, especially when you're driving across the country, because you're going fast, man, and you pull over and you get gas and you reset that thing and you're like, shit, now I'm two minutes behind. Most of us do it. Of the 71% who try to beat their estimated time, 60% people have done, uh, have done so unsafely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I've, I don't cut people off. And I mean, how are we defining unsafe? If the speed limit's 65 and you're going 95, how, is that unsafe? It's unlawful. If the inside lane is wide open, is that unsafe? Now, if you're cutting people off, you're not using your blinker when doing so. That's unsafe. Coming up, Dylan Mamba Smith. This next interview is brought to you by Cell Shop, an Arizona-based retailer that strives for your destination of choice for wireless services, whether Arizona or Washington State. They are an authorized AT&T retailer. So visit them at cellshop.us and get connected today. Three-time champion mechanic, 2012 k Pro Series, 2014 NASCAR Cup Series, 2017 k Pro Series, Dylan Mamba-Smith, welcome to Hard Parking. What's up, man? Not too much. You know, I ran you down on Twitter and I was like, oh, you're adopted? Yeah, me too, man. Let's get together and, and have a conversation because, you know, there's a, as, as the older we get, how old are you? 
Uh, I'll be 30 in June. Good God, your kid. I know. Yeah, that's weird. Because I'm not where I'm at. Like, like I was, I got to Charlotte when I was 18. So, like, I've been through a lot of different generations of people. And yeah. now I'm, like, quite a bit older than a lot of the people I'm working with, like, in the NASCAR building and stuff like that. Now it's pretty funny. That's crazy. Um, we're going to get into this adoption thing. And then I, I have a theory because you being so young, did you have an open, do you know what an open adoption, open record is? Yeah. Yeah. So mine, uh, I didn't know it was open. I always, from the time I was like seven, I had known my birth family, uh, my mother, my grandparents and my aunt, like th they had always been sending pictures and stuff, but I met them in person when I was seven, but I didn't know that it was open. Like I didn't know that they wanted to make sure that that was a part of the process until recently, which is really cool. It's cool. It's definitely interesting. Mine was closed, so I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that crazy? It like, is. Be, because, and I tell this to people uh, quite a bit, like, you know, it's always that nurture, nature versus nurture thing. And I'm like, you know, if you, if you were raised in a single parent home, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you don't, you love your life and you love who you, who you are and you like, you love your parents and your family and everything's good. But there's some things that you don't know why you do them or why you feel that way about them. And there's nothing that points to it. Right. And it's that other part of you that you don't really know about. It's a little hole. It's a little hole all the, all the time. And you can't really like, you can't fill that. Right. Yep. It's just, it's just there. Yeah. And it's hard for, I think for people to understand who have kind of, I wouldn't say uh, they just, I think they just they just wouldn't know any better to kind of understand where you're coming from. Yeah, they're not like you'd have to explain it like if someone had a death of a, of a pet that they loved, like well, someone that never had a pet wouldn't Same understand thing. why that's so why that's so devastating. It's kind of like if you were trying to break it down so it wasn't such a heavy topic. Right. Like that would yep. be, that's kind of like a way that you could explain that. I just thought about that right now. That's <laughs> good though. That no, that, no, no, that's good, man. That's good, man. I may have met my match because uh, one of my good friends, Wes Tinkersley, I'm always coming up with shit like that. And he's like, dude, you come up with some of the craziest shit that makes perfect sense. And yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent. I think you get it. Being around a lot of different people with different backgrounds, like you got to find common, common ground so you can build on that ground to, to have a relationship. So you got to figure out how to, break down to where you can be on the same level sometimes. Absolutely, man. And that's, that's kind of like a kind of a natural and I guess cultivated communication style. So we're going to get into all that stuff. First and foremost, man, I want to congratulate you on your recent American airlines, platinum pro elite status. <laughs> I saw you tweeted that out. I've been there, man. <laughs> Have you ever made it to executive platinum? Have you flown enough? No, this is the highest I've ever been, and I was stoked about it. I tell you, man, like when I, I would travel all the time, like the pandemic era, I'm not doing it anymore. But before right. I always rack up those miles, and man, once you get to executive platinum, even platinum pro, it's like, all right, how much is that? Okay, I'll just go ahead and oh, oh, I don't have to pay extra for, for row 11. Uh, it's such a beautiful thing. Like, like, so I'm from Vermont, right? So I, I graduated with 60 kids in my class, the town over had nine. Like from the center of my town, there's a stop sign. And if you drive any direction on the main road, it'll take you 45 miles or 45 minutes to get to another stop sign. Like that's how rural wow. 
I grew up in. So, you know, first class, like I was lucky because my parents went on vacation and had timeshares. So I started flying when I was a kid, when I was young. But like first class, oh man, that'd be so cool. Like never really, like, I don't know how you get there. Like, how do you get to ride first class? Like, obviously it's like rich people stuff. Well, maybe it's not. But you don't know that sure. until you get there. I am not a rich person. Sure. I ri- I live a rich life and I love my life. But um, when that hit, I was like, you got – and it didn't hurt that the pandemic, like, rolled – they rolled some of their stuff back. So I got a little help there. Sure. But um, no, man, thank you. I rode first class back from uh, Austin, Texas here recently. It was beautiful. I got a couple Admiral Club uh, tickets. So I took a buddy of mine. We had drinks all morning and we ate for free. And then he was a peasant, so he had to get in the back of the plane. But let me tell you about cool. those Admiral Claws, man. Every single one of them serves the same shit. They all serve the same. They have the yep. the olive medley. Yep. They have the two soups. Yep, quesadilla. They serve the, they have the same alcohols that are like complimentary. This is a um, very first world uh thing too, by the way. Oh, it's super like People are going to be like, God, this guy sucks. But yeah. I swear to God, I, I'm just stoked that I've been able to take advantage of it because like coming from Vermont, like I was just hanging, I was just working with Ferraris like that. Right. That was never a thing in my mind that I thought I could get to. That's amazing. That's where you guys were. Where were yeah, you this yeah, last weekend? Austin. You're in Austin. Yeah, right? I was in, yep. yeah, I was in Austin. I was at Coda Circus of the Americas yep. um, where they had the F1 race and the NASCAR mm-hmm. race there in Austin. Never been. Super beautiful, a really good time in downtown Austin. If you haven't been before, I highly recommend everybody stopping in. Yeah, once is probably enough. My liver, my liver felt it for sure. Oh, you're still young. You can handle it. Mm. Back to American Airlines, man. I can't let this shit go, dude. <laughs> Cheese platter or protein box? Uh, honestly, this last trip. Be, okay, so well, first so, class, you don't have to. You don't have to pick. Yeah, no. So cool thing is, okay, here's the thing, right? So when I got to this level where you get upgraded, it was COVID. So like they weren't doing full service. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have nothing. Like they barely were doing drinks and then they pulled that out. Right. Well, on my way back from Austin, it was the first time that they were like, oh, what would you like for for lunch? Would you like this salad or this cheese blend and this chicken? I'm like, uh, actually, I'm just good with the alcohol, but that's good to know that you guys are back to open because that's right. like, I, I, I didn't know that was a part of the process. That's how, like, I didn't know. I had no idea because I'd never had that part of the process. So that was cool. Isn't it weird but though, would, where, where people in the back, they're like, okay, you have to, you can remove your mask to take a bite. Then you have to put your mask back on to chew. When you're in first yep. class, they don't really care as much. Yeah. No, I did think about that actually. And because of this reason, when I have flown first class, Almost every time I've had conversation with the people I'm sitting with, right. like, like, like very like in-depth conversation and made like genuine connections, um, with those people and very quickly too. Whereas whenever I'm riding in coach or main, um, I don't do the same thing. I don't do yeah. that. Uh, why that is, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think, um, maybe it's because when you're in, when you're in the main, it's like being a bunch of cattle right. and like you, you're just like there and maybe you just like the mindset's a little different. I don't, I don't really know, but, but you know, I did notice that 
I was it's like, interesting. Man, that's weird. I was like, why do I do that? Everybody in first class wants to know who you are and what you do for a living and or they tell you their life story and it's just it's like I mean it's it's cool, but yeah, it's no one really it's funny because you hear people talking and it doesn't bother you. When you're sitting in the mm-hmm. back, you're just like, God, will this person please shut the fuck up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bro, that's exactly I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I've had like great conversations right. with with people in coach, but it's just not as frequently. And I I think it's also too like I have this thing called airport etiquette, right? Like when I see something that is outside of that etiquette, I always tweet about it and make fun of it. Like, okay, for instance, if you have a quad steer roller bag, right? And you get on the bus to, to get to the parking deck or whatever, you need to lay it down or right. else it's going to roll all the way across and hit somebody. Yep. Airport, airport etiquette. Like people don't fly. Like when you're riding in the middle seat, you're sharing both of your armrests. You can't just take them both. You got to like give some room people are oblivious. for somebody. And they just like, people don't travel like other people. And I see it and I'm like, damn, this person's like really crowding me, but they don't think about it. They're like, oh, I'm just sitting in my seat. Dude, it's so funny you say that. Cause I, I, I complained about that too to my wife. My wife's like, you should just elbow him. I said, no, if they want it, then fuck it. It's just, yeah, goes, you're too, you're too nice. You're too much of a nice person. I go, well, I'm going to get kicked off the airplane. Cause someone's using my armrest. Bro. I'm also really petty and I'll just wait for you to move just a little bit. And, I, and then I'm you take it over. Arm, I'm in that armrest. Like, see ya. And that shit's mine now. Yeah, no, <laughs> drink, what's your drink of choice up there? Cause you know, I, I know what they serve. What are you drinking? Yeah. So this week it was uh bloody Mary's. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because it was, like I wanted something that tasted that had some flavor to it. Uh, I'm usually like if I'm at the bar, I'm a big like tequila and soda guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but tequila when you're up there, interesting. Yeah. Well, it used to be tequila and water, but I need right. the carbonation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I like the healthier liquors. You know, that's the only upper. Uh, so you're like the Tito's and soda person if you were drinking vodka. Uh, if I'm that's my wife's go to. No, if I'm drinking vodka, it's not it's not vodka and soda because I don't like the mixture taste. Yeah. Like I don't like the taste of vodka as much as I like the taste of tequila. Got it. I'll, yeah. I'll take a Woodford uh, Woodford double. Like once you get old, like me, man, you're just gonna go straight to the, you know, straight to. Yeah, the you're cheese. just sipping. Now I will say an Andejo tequila, like a dark tequila, like black barrel tequila, I'm all about. Like give me those Good all day tequila. long. Sipping tequila. I feel like it's a real gangster move because no one likes tequila. It is a gangster move when you can sit there and sip it. Because yeah, some people, what, they think yeah. they think tequila is all shots. You're like, no, man, if you have to shoot it, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. And honestly, like, the train ride to the buzz on a dark tequila is way nicer. Nice. Like, you're just, ro- you're just rolling on it. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I'm in a different headspace right now. This, this is nice. That's hilarious. It doesn't, like, punch... Yeah, it doesn't like punch you in the face like shooting shots. Where'd you get the nickname Black Mamba? What's that from? Oof. Tell us about that. Yeah. When okay, did you when so, did you transform from from Dylan Smith to Dylan Mamba Smith? Yeah, yeah. So probably 2011 or 2010, 2011 probably. Uh, so when you go go karting, that you like put in like a username, like all the racer names. Huh. Right? Yes. I went to this place in like 2010 in Charlotte. I was there visiting for the drive for diversity combine. So I went there. Uh, we all raced each other. And I was like, what am I going to put in here? Like, oh, 
Kobe Bryant's like the man right now in basketball. Right, I'll right. put in Black Mamba. Like, that's cool. Dude, don't even think about it. A year later, I graduate high school. I moved to Charlotte, like really figuring it out, like really on my own, figuring it out, having to find new friends and do all those things. Um, find a group of people that I, I kind of started hanging out with. And one day, a bunch of us went to um, the go-kart track. Turned out I'd been there before. Didn't even realize, right? Because huh. when you're when you're like 16, 17 and you go to something, like it doesn't like stick in your mind right. like that. And I'm like, oh, shoot, that's me. I'm like, oh, Black Mamba. Okay, cool. So it's up there. And I'm racing with, like, Joey Logano, Brandon McReynolds, Corey LaJoy, Skip Floret, like, just a, Mark Davis, a bunch of racers that I had never met before, right? But they're all around my age. And uh, so after the first race, everyone's looking up at the leaderboard, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, like, I'm like seventh or eighth. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know. But but everyone knew each other. So when they got to my name, they're all like, who the fuck is the Black Mamba? Right? Because there's only two black kids, right. two or three of us that were, but they knew them, right? And uh, I'm like, yo, that's me. And they're like, they all look at me and they're like, dude, that is badass. I'll never forget. Brandon McReynolds was like, dude, that name is bitchin'. Right? So, that's awesome. So the, ne- the next race, I happened to start like on the front row. And we fire off, we get down, and we hit the high speed part, get down in the first turn. I look to my left, Corey's on my left, Joey Logano's on my right, and behind me, I think, is either Brandon or Skip. And they, they smush me, and then Joey, like, lifts out of the gas, and I, go, and I get hit from behind, and I go so hard into the corner, my go-kart gets stuck underneath the wall. Uh. And, like, that to stop the race. So at that point, everyone was like, oh, mom, Black Mamba, are you kidding me? Like, da 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 You know what I mean? So after that, everyone started seeing me around the racetrack more. And, and you know, we all started hanging out and partying together and doing all that stuff. So, um, That's you cool. know, it was a good time. Yeah, man, it was cool. Because the thing about our industry is, like, almost everyone gets a nickname, mm-hmm. but not everyone gets a good nickname. Right. There's, there's like, some bad nicknames out there. What are, what are some of the bad nicknames out there? Um, uh, what, what are we drinking? What, what's, what is uh, Mamba Smith drinking right now? I am drinking Truly. I, I have a... Oh, uh, is that from the Holiday Pack? or? It, this is actually from the Margarita Pack. I love okay. the Holiday Pack. This, I actually have a beautiful partnership with Truly, so I keep it in uh, the fridge okay, gotcha. almost at all times. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm uh, I'm definitely na- the Truly guy for NASCAR. Like it's a, it's a thing. It's pretty... They've been on my race car. They've been on my fire suit. So it's pretty cool, actually, because they're an awesome brand. And they're from New England. They're owned by Boston Brewing. So me being from Vermont. I can't drink I Trulies. That. Really? My body doesn't agree with it. Like, people who listen to this podcast know I have, you know, I'm like half Asian, so I have like bad Asian flush. And some oh yeah, some seltzers are worse than others, and I can't drink Truly. Yeah, that's an interesting thing for y'all's culture, like, that it's like an almost a, an allergic thing, right? Sort of, like, yeah. So like you're, a, you're missing but, an but enzyme. Yeah, yeah. So it's not. It's like you guys can't break it down the yep. same way yep. as everybody else, which is crazy, bro. Because a lot of my the a lot of the my friends that are Asian they throw down, and I'm like, all right, like I never knew it was a thing. Like I never knew that was a thing until I met some some other people of the same of the same type of culture. Like I was like, that's nuts. You know, it's like a weird combination though, because it's not just this or that it's got to be this mixed with this 
or this not me oh. this. it's super weird man like it's i like could super specific like i could probably drink three white claws without worrying about it but if i have like right. a half a truly you would think no i had kidding. like six of them it must so, be just i wonder what i don't know i can do topo chicos that's my thing now because i i can drink them without you know freaking out yeah without feeling some type of way yeah it's super weird man, isn't life is crazy bro i'm telling you like like we're all made and created very similar but very very different at the same time yeah 100 percent, man so let's talk about this so you're you're black mamba mm-hmm. the, the name you know at what point are you like i'm gonna race cars uh so i already was racing cars so i started racing cars when i was four so yeah, was like well sprints before. or something uh go-karts go-karts, go-karts. Yeah. yeah so that was way before black mamba like when i left vermont I was, you know, Dylan Smith, race car driver, you know, but back there it wasn't a profession really like, cause people can't do that full time. Like right. only a few people do back there. Um, I, I just had been in a good situation. My dad, he wasn't a mechanic, but he learned how to be one by reading books. And I just had a natural ability to, you know, do pretty well. And he did a good job figuring out how to make the car fast. Um, and that was some of the best times of my life, going down the road with my dad, racing go-karts and winning races and winning championships. Um, I like winning. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a sore loser. Sure. Uh, but I hate, I hate losing. Makes but you I, hungry get, for the next challenge. Yeah, yeah. man. Like, if, just if wait, I get, just wait. Yeah, like, honestly, I... This is a weird thing. Like I hate it, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Like like when I lose, um, I enjoy the process of the loss because I'm gonna be that much better the next time I do that exact thing. Like like it's a very it's a very like refueling situation for me, uh, which which I I just love. I love always, I love having my back against a wall. I love people doubting me. Um, I love people telling me I can't do something or I'll never be good enough to do something or I'm not as good as the person next to me doing it. Like, I love that. Please, like, fuel me up with that because I'm going to prove you wrong. So you don't, like, throw, you, you don't throw remote controls and games? No, no, I'm not. I'm like, hey, let's run it back. Right. I'll run it back eight times, but on that eighth time, I'll probably beat you. Right. But it took me that many times to do it, but I still got I still got mine, and then we can stop playing. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we even now. So you were already mm-hmm. doing this, man, because, I mean, the names you reeled off earlier when you were, you know, on the track and get smacked into the wall, it's like, this, that's, <laughs> that's not just by coincidence. Like, you were around some people. Yeah, man. I was so, you know, when I moved down here, um, we were all the same age. Like, we were all trying to figure it out. Be You know, most of us wanted to be race car drivers. Some of us were trying to be crew crew members and over the wall guys and just whatever it may be in the sport. We're all just young, man. We're all just what's an over the wall to, guy. Uh, like a over the wall guy. So those are the guys that they're the athletes of the, of the team other than the driver. They're the guys changing the tires, okay. jacking up the car, refueling, uh, carrying the tires over the wall. Like they're a fast hand, eye coordinated, and strong individuals there there's a lot of people that like didn't make it in the league right when i say league i mean like any league like yeah um that are now transferring over to nascar which is super cool 
Because that runs deep. There's series upon series upon series upon series, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's, – to do that job, there's probably four of them, four series that you can be a part of to do that job in NASCAR. There's other ones in other um, forms of racing. Um, But there's, you know, there's a lot of different series, um, especially at your local short track, like wherever – Wherever you live at, I promise there's a local short track somewhere that if you're interested in cars and being just around that that type of environment, uh, you can go to and, and learn. And there's always someone there that'll kind of take you under their wing and show you the nuances of it, which is super cool. That's my favorite part about the about racing is it's a community. Right. Road sports is just a big, big community. I was going to say, it seems like everybody kind of knows everyone. And I mean, everyone gets a well, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, everybody, like, <laughs> everyone definitely knows everybody. There's definitely some type of turf war that happens every mm. once in a while. Uh, there's a, a lot of egos. Um, race car drivers and teams hate lose, like, really don't like losing. Uh, losing culture is just, like, not something that, that people – because here's the thing, right? And I had this conversation with someone recently, and they, they nailed it. They're like, in other sports – you're guaranteed to win at some time. Every other sport, you're guaranteed to win. If you're playing in a football game, one of the two teams is going to win. Right. Yep. I see what you're saying. And, and if and there's been like only a certain teams that have like lost their entire season, and then they the next year they won. Right. Well, in in racing, you might not ever win. Yeah. Like, that that's something that might happen to people, and the so, expectations too. Yeah, I mean, like they change, right? Because not every team is built to win. Some teams are are built to, you know, run fifteenth because that's all they can afford to do. Right. Because you 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 buy speed, whether that be through the mechanics working on the car, through the components on the car, or through your driver. You got to pay for that to get that speed. So, you know, it's a little different mindset because, like, you can't just say, oh, we'll get them next week. Like, you can, but you're competing against 40 people at a time versus, you know. Right. You could you could be one. the best driver out there, but if you don't have the best car, you're not going to win. You can be the best driver out there, and you can have the best car, and you still might not win. That's Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot so of stuff that var- has to go right. Yeah. There's so many variables, right? Like. Everybody has to do their job. Every mechanic needs to make sure every nut and bolt is tight and done right. The the crew chiefs have to call the right strategy at the right time to get you up front at the right time. The pit crew has to change their tires and fuel up the car full in the in the fastest amount of time possible. And then on top of that, like what happened this past weekend, Kyle Busch with five laps to go is about to win this race in Vegas. He has it licked. Like he's he held off the the late race charge by Martin Truex. He's in it. Well, one of the other drivers wrecks with like three to go. Caution comes out. He uh, one of the other the three of the other teams take two tires, so that cuts down their pit stop time by a bunch. He takes four. He restarted. I think he restarted like fifth. And he only could get back to like third. He lost a race. Like that. <laughs> like variables, man. It's crazy. It's a really hard sport to win in. 
Have you, so let's talk about your career a little bit then. You got to race a couple times last year. Yep. What happened? Like, how did, how did it get to the point where you're kind of, is it just finding a team to pick you up? I mean, I've had other, other race, racers on here and we've kind of talked about it, trying to get picked up for, for something. And I watched, and I'm sure you've, you've seen the Willie T. Ribs documentary and, you know, yep. him finding someone to pick them up. Is that usually what kind of ends it for a lot of drivers? It's just not finding a team to pick them up. His deal, I mean, his deal was different um, because right, that was right. a time, like that was a time where manufacturers were doing that. They were picking up drivers right. and putting them with teams. Um, teams were finding drivers and bringing them on and, and whatever sponsor was there was like, yeah, that's our guy now, like whatever. Now it's very different. You know, you got to have the financial backing to go do it. So it's really more important to find a financial partner and then you can go, you can go wherever you want with that. So interesting, you know, yeah. So for me, I mean, that's always been my struggle, right? right? Like, like I got, I race, I race once or twice a year and everybody around me is like, dude, you're crazy for doing it that way. And I'm like, I don't have a choice. Right. Like I would love to race 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever, a hundred times a year, but I don't have the partners to do that at this moment. I still want to go race cause I'm hungry for it. Cause I, racing is my passion. Right. And, and I love to do it. Um, and every time I do it, I'm like, damn, I'm better than most of these people I'm around. Sure. I'm just not better than them for a hundred laps right now. I'm better than them for maybe 40, but the, that 40 is sporadic. It's not 40 straight either because I don't get to do it as much. So that's the hard part for me is like trying to knock off the rust and be fast and do everything I, I right all in one weekend when it's just not really a super feasible thing. You know, when everyone else is racing 40, 50 times, a year and then show up for this race. I'm showing up for the race, trying to practice, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and be as fast as they are to qualify in for the race on Saturday. That's, it's just, um, it's a, it's a tough deal. It's hard to, it's hard, but honestly, like I've, I've only missed a big race in the, in, in the South once. So, I mean, I've, I've done it. Everyone says it's hard, but I've done it multiple times. So it's, you know, that I always lean on that. And I'm like, well, this is the first, like last year was the first time I missed a race. And I think we were fast enough to make the race, but there's some things that happened that were out of our control. Sure. So, um, it, it'd be like that. That's racing though. Are a lot of the seats pretty much taken up though? Most of the time, like, I don't think they're, they're not really carouseling different drivers every race. Right. Mm-mm-mm. Um, now that being said, there's always, there's always an open seat. Right. It just depends on the quality of the team that it is. You know, you can always, you can always go race if you want to, but I, I'm not, there's no point for me to go around and race to make laps. I want to race and compete. Sure. You know, and that's not a knock on other guys or girls that, um, that go that route where they're like, well, I got some money. Let me get in this car and maybe I can get some more money and get into it. You know what I mean? I, I don't have, you gotta, if you go that route, you gotta have 
some type of financial backing already. You just are on the lower end of it, right? So like maybe if you have half a million dollars, um, maybe that puts you in a, a backpack uh, Xfinity car. Well, yeah, so it's back of the pack, but you still had half a million dollars to go do it. Whereas I don't have the luxury to to do that. Like if I have partners, I need to put them in the best position to look good. Sure. So it's going to cost me more money to do that because for my experience that I'm lacking over the year, I got to make up for an equipment that I'm driving. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a very much give and take situation. It just depends on every driver is different. We're all in different situations. So. Well, um, that's, that's pretty amazing though, man. Like I had no idea that's how all that stuff really worked. Yeah, no, it's, it's very much like on the NASCAR side of it. It's very much like if you have the money, you can go do it. You know, there's like, you can, you can go do it. You're buying your experience to prove yourself to a lot of people. It's kind of how a lot of it works for a while. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's, we've, I've been close. I've been close a couple times to having like a real, a real partner, like a real good partner. Uh, Jeff Reed that used to be a kicker for the Steelers. Yeah. I ran into him at a, at a, at a bar one time and he just, we hit it off and he, he liked me and he was trying to get back into the league and he was uh, working on that. And he almost, he almost did. And he's like, look, if I get back into the league, like I'm going to sponsor you. I got, he's like, I got a million dollars for you off the top. That'd he just nice. didn't. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? He just didn't, he didn't quite make it back. Like I, so when I was like 21, I was that close to, <laughs> I was that close to getting the opportunity of a lifetime and it just didn't, you know, it just didn't work out. So that's been, that's kind of the, that's my story, but that's a lot of other people's stories too. But you're still hungry and you're still ready. You're just waiting for the opportunity in the meantime, right? It seems like you're doing the stuff with backseat drivers. Yeah. Backseat drivers are a show on NASCAR.com. Um, honestly, I'm trying to, like yes and no, right? Mm-hmm. Like if someone walked up to me and was like, "How much money does it take to go Xfinity racing all year?" and I was like, mm, four, four to six million dollars." Okay, here's four million dollars. Let's go do it. Okay, I'm down. I'll drive. I'll drive anything. I'll drive a wheelbarrow. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't like you know what I mean. Like I don't I don't care. Um, but we got to do it right. Sure. So, but for me now, for where I'm at, I can currently, for my situation without the partners, the small partners I do have, I can create waves for them on the on the camera side. So, if I can do that there, then I can parlay that into getting more track time. Got it. So, so I'm trying to be the best. Uh, nascar talent i can possibly be on camera and then that's my main deal and then i can go racing for fun and enjoy it and bring my partners out and we can have fun and enjoy it and that's a no pressure situation because it's not all the time that's not why you're you're not spending money with me because i drive race cars you're spending money with me because you like who i am you like what i do for you on a you know social media or engagements or whatever it may be there. It's not because we're driving race cars. 
which honestly to me is a better situation. I, the, the blend of the two is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, um, I'm trying to, I've said it to a couple people in private, but I don't mind saying it <laughs> in public either. Sure. I, I, I want to end up in the NASCAR hall of fame. I want to be the first person, the first person of color to end up in the NASCAR hall of fame, not by driving a race car. Like a contributor. Like, yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to be in there, whether it's right. being a mechanic, yeah. there's owners, there's, uh, you know, broadcasting people in there. Like, I don't know exactly how, what it's going to be that's going to get me there, but that's, I'm going to get there. You know, that's so, a hell of a goal. And it looks like you're, I mean, I'm, I'm in no position to say, well, you're on your way, buddy. But, you know, you've done, <laughs> you continue to do a, a multitude of things. And I think being part of backseat drivers, being the face that people see, one of the faces that people see when they watch that show and sometimes you're actually racing and this and that. I mean, that's kind of it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I tell everybody, you know, especially um, with the marketing agency I work with when I do EMC work um, with them or stuff like that, or with NASCAR, I'm like, use me as a Swiss army knife, like whatever you need, just call me. Like I'll, I'll do it. I, if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out. I promise. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a lofty goal, but it's one that's going to keep me grinding for a, a long time. And I, I needed to set that because I was, I was, I feel like people, we sometimes set goals that we know we can achieve, which, which is a good thing. It right? is, but I hear you. But I needed something that wasn't in my, that I couldn't really see. Like something that I wanted, but I don't see the path necessarily to get there. But if, if I keep building on what I'm doing, I'll, I'll get there, if that makes sense. So, it does. And maybe you can um, look back and start collecting all the data and be like, you know what, this, this was the way. Yeah, I mean, like, look, man, I, I, like I said, I just was at a Ferrari race, a Ferrari challenge race in Coda. The only way I got there is because I followed my dreams to NASCAR. And when, when the NASCAR team I was with, when we shut the doors, I didn't have a job. I found a, a home at this marketing agency that does event marketing. They happen to have an account with Ferrari Challenge. I ended up getting on the account to work, you know, the Ferrari Challenge races with them. And now I'm a part of the Ferrari, like basically the Ferrari community in, in North America. Right. Sure, like that, that, sure. I, that wasn't, that wasn't the goal. That was never a part of the plan, but that's really freaking cool. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like I don't even, I can't explain to you how I got there because there was a lot of luck and a lot of bad luck, but it was a lot of just luck in general. Like things had to not happen for this to happen. So I don't know. That's, I feel like, I feel like we, um, you know, you never know. I told, I think I told this for, I was at a Ferrari event actually last year and I couldn't believe it was year two back at it, you know? And I was like, I made a post. I said, what if I told you that your dreams were your glass ceiling? Because once you, your dreams are out there and once you make it to your dream, which mine was being in NASCAR and, working for Tony Stewart, which I did, and being a cup champion, which I am now, 
Well, what happens after that? Like, what happens after you achieve your dreams? You don't stop, right? You just, like, you keep going. You just keep grinding. So, like, that's the, you know, so I look back at it now, and I'm like, man, that was, that was like, a cool step, milestone. Now I'm on, like, I'm beyond my dreams. I, I'm just out here doing stuff. Like, I never, never had anything past being a cup champion. So now it's just, like, what can I do for other people? What achievement are you most proud of up to this point in your life? Because you're only 30, so there's a lot, a lot more to go. Um, yeah. Um, from, a, from a personal level, um, I have two. Uh, I now I'm starting to pay for some of my parents' bills. Nice. Which is really cool. Um, I take a lot of pride in that. You know, like, you know, that's something like, like football, like kids that make it like, oh, I'm going to buy my mom a house. I'm going to buy right. my mom this. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say I'm not going to get to that point, but like, that's a, you know, they're, they're making millions right at a time. So it's a lot different, but to be able to even like my mom texted me yesterday or whatever. And she was like, Hey, thanks for paying that bill. Like I said, mom, you don't have to thank me for that. I didn't thank you for the 30 years of sure. life that you gave me. You know what I mean? Like, like, no, I, I love Like, it's fine. I love you. It's part of the cycle. Right? I love being able to do that, that. And I've had, um, a couple, a couple women, uh, that are in the industry that, that I've known for a while that we've had like heart to heart, like sit downs about life and about different things. And I'm a very, like, I've been single for most of my adult life, except like nine months. And they were, they both were like, um, not even talking about like dating life in general, but it just kind of came up and they were both like, you know, I think you'd be a really great dad. I'm like, man, that means a lot because to me, like, I think I'd be a, 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 a really good husband, but I think being a dad is really what I'm built for. And I'm, I'm excited about that part of life when I think about it, you know what I mean? So those, that, those comments from those two those two women were like really I was like damn I really I really hit home and then um professionally uh cup championship is is really high up there because not not many people understand what what it takes to be a champion and to and like that bond you create with the people you do it with so when I see you know other athletes win a championship in whatever sport or whatever, I'm like, I can relate. Like, I get that. Like, I know how hard it is to get there. Um, and then outside of that one, it's probably where I'm at now, like with NASCAR, like being, I've never felt more wanted um, for what I can provide than the people at NASCAR make me feel. And that's something that's really special. And it's something you can't really put a dollar amount on that. So uh, those are probably the, the couple things I'm really proud of. What about best costume at Tony Stewart's Halloween party in 2016? Uh, well, that was very specific. <laughs> you want to tell the listeners what, what you won best costume for? So, yeah. So, okay. So, all right. Here's the deal, guys. Halloween is my favorite holiday. Like, if it comes to days in the year, my days are like Halloween, the day before Thanksgiving, my birthday and 4th of July are like a really tight, like third and then, uh, new year's. 
Okay, those are my days. Those are my favorite days of the year. Um, mm-hmm. So Halloween, <laughs> I I may or may not have gone as Catwoman, um, Halle Berry's version, of course. Uh, I'm very like like I, I'm very a much like representation matters a lot mm-hmm. to me. Sure. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, there wasn't like a ton of uh, black superheroes or like costumes like that. And I never really thought about it then. Right. But I think about it now because we look at life differently. And as a, as a, um, you know, a 30 year old adult, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, you know, help raise the next generation of, of boy, of boys to men and, and young girls and all this stuff. So I want to give them something they can point to. So I always pick a black, I try to pick, a black uh, superhero or black character, as it may be. And one year I picked Catwoman, and um, you know Fox Sports kind of picked up on it because it's Tony Stewart's party. Right. I still I still have the trophy that I made Smoke sign. He didn't want to sign it at all. I'm like, no, you're signing this. I want you to remember this L for the rest of your <laughs> life. So uh, I mean, it was funny. No, I think that's special, man. I mean, I was giving it to you a little bit there, but I think that's special. You said something though, and I, I've kind of talked about it this to friends of mine because when we get into kind of the the serious subject matter of you know diversity, I don't want to call it racism, but looking to aspire to be like or gravitating to people who are similar to you in your image, and one of the things that we've talked about often is okay, well, it's natural. Think about I call it the Jeremy Lin syndrome. Remember yep. Jeremy Lin? Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, so, Linsanity. Yeah, when yeah, Linsanity sure. went crazy, every Asian person was out there buying a, Lin, a Jeremy Lin jersey. Yep. And they had their, you know, they loved you know, Mamba and everybody else. But it's like, that seems almost like natural. So when you're a kid, you look up and you see people doing it that are similar to you. And that's what you kind of aspire to be or want to be like that. And it's this whole thing in culture. It's like, all right, well, if I look up and I see doctors and lawyers, I want to be a doctor and lawyer. If I look up and I see Tom Brady, maybe I want to be Tom Brady. You know, if I look up and I see Lil Wayne, maybe I want to be Lil Wayne, you know? Yep. But yeah, I think no, it's I mean, like, what, do, what is your thought on that? Because there's a lot of people who will debunk that and say, well, that's not, that's not true. It's like, yeah, that's totally true. In my opinion, people always see that and they just, you can't, you can't legislate yeah. that, you, you know? People no, just, I, I, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, you can't like, you know, like I didn't, I didn't get into NASCAR because I was like, oh, there's no black people there. I want to step into that. Like that wasn't my want. My want was I loved racing, and that was the sport that I watched all the time. I didn't think about. I never thought about how there wasn't any people that looked like me there, right? Or, or like wasn't that many or any that I could really point to. Now, when I saw like Bill Lester, when I saw you know the stories of Wendell Scott. You know Willie T. Ribs, like going. Oh, I'm like, oh, you know, what I mean, like I, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a direct correlation like that. Right. Um, but we, I feel like as we've grown as society, we understand the way things work differently now. Yeah. Um. That's well so said. I'm very cognizant. Yeah, I'm very cognizant of that. So, vice for vice versa, right? Not only for. Um, you know, these, these young, um, 
people of color or minorities in general that have never seen someone that might look different or not be like the rest, you know, speaking on NASCAR, right, on a platform that is owned by NASCAR. But, like, even so, you know, when I get hired for different things, I'm a black, a young black male that has dreads. And matter of fact, a couple of them are, are blonde dreads at that. Like I stand <laughs> out, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. and my person, my, my personality is also loud. Like I, like I'm stand, I stand out even just standing in, I stand out. So I want to make sure that I'm representing us very well. So I, I try to speak well, I, I make good relationships. I make people laugh. Like that's, I try to be fun and engaging and entertaining and all those things because for them i'm like i want you got when you look at the next person with dreads or the next person that doesn't look like you or the next person that's different i hope that they remember well i do remember that mamba guy he was really cool like I, you know what man, i'm gonna give more of these people i'm, I'm gonna give more people that are different opportunities like i hope that i can help move that needle because I think that's important, you know? So um, it's really twofold. And, and I don't think we don't really talk about that stuff because it's hard to talk about, but it, it definitely matters. It definitely matters. Yeah. It sounds like you feel like you kind of have a responsibility to change the narrative a little bit because you're in a position to kind of help change the narrative, whatever the narrative yeah. is. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, um, and, and like st- we, Listen, stereotypes, right? Beyond like, being one of the good ones. Yeah, like stereotypes are out there. Yeah. Every type of person has a stereotype. Like, uh, if I see a, you know, if there's a biker with tattoos, you know, that's in this biker gang, that dude might be a lawyer or a doctor. Or that woman might be a lawyer. Like, you don't know. You don't, you don't know, know what that. people's yeah. back like you don't know what people's background is. Or you might have this little person who's like five foot one. But, oh, by the way, they're in the UFC and will whoop your ass. So you better be careful about what you're doing, you know? Like, so I just think that um, I think it helps create a space of which everybody of different creeds and cultures and whatever are, uh, are welcome and can have conversation. So I think that's really important. I would imagine, I mean, life's not easy. Grew up no. in a small town. Not a lot of people look like you. Right. So there were challenges that came with that. Coming up in the racing circuit, predominantly dominated by white people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely challenges, I would imagine, that comes with that. I know that like I think NASCAR might get kind of a kind of an unfair view from mm-hmm. a lot of people from the outside. Um, yeah. but on the inside, because you were part of their, you know, drive to diversity campaign for, for years now. Do you think and NASCAR a lot more diverse than people really think it is? Oh man. And I'm sure there's there's uh, still room for improvement, but kind of like I was saying earlier, you know, the governing body, they can be committed, but you can't legislate people's wills and desires and feelings to oppress. Right. And, you know, did you feel it coming up? It seems like you would. Man, I'm so I'm so glad you asked this question. So, you know, one, growing up where I grew up, like when when I when I went to a, a different school to play sports, like mind you, when I played sports, like I was like the point guard, I was a, a forward in in soccer. Like I was, I was a very aggressive athlete. Right. Right. But I was, I was little, so I had to be, 
Like I didn't, no one was coming in my space without getting an elbow or something. Like you were going to know, you were going to have to see me. You were going to have to remember who I was next time we played. So I would go to these schools that probably didn't, hadn't seen or played against a, a black kid in like forever. And I could hear the students actually be like, Oh shit. Oh shit. They got a black kid. Oh shit. You know what I mean? Like, like, it was like a different there. It was like being a unicorn. It was like an anomaly. Like, People were, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't definitely not a negative, but they were just like enamored with the fact that you look so much different than everybody else that they saw. Right. So fast forward, moving down here, everyone down here grew up with people of color around. Like they grew up with that, that diversity. So it wasn't that they were shocked about that part. They're shocked about my knowledge of the sport that I was in. Sure. Yeah. Because they definitely tested me like, but you're going to get tested in everything you do. Right. Like in every aspect of, of life. And when you make and go to a new job, people are going to test you. And like I test my I test people. I test people I love. I test my friends harder than I test people I don't know, because I expect you to be. I want you to be great and because you told me you want to be great. So I'm going to try and do everything I can to get you there. But I can't just let you, you know, wallow in your own misery. Like we're gonna we're gonna keep this thing moving forward, um, but I up until recently I couldn't really say this because I didn't have super proof. But uh, the clash, the clash in LA changed that. So NASCAR is a very diverse sport. Mm-hmm. It's been it's probably one of the most diverse uh, inside the office and inside the building. Like the people that make decisions, mm-hmm. um, there are so many different people there's a ton of women um that which is super cool um i think it's that's really special um and that's like at the executive level like i don't think you can say the same thing in the nfl nba major league baseball hockey right like i don't care whatever sport it is um like i mean even the WNBA, right like it's still part of the nba right so i mean it's we are by far the most diverse on that level now. And that's something no one would ever know, right? right? Without knowing now, as far as the outside of that, I've always felt like our fan base was super diverse, but, but you just didn't see it a ton. The garage is diverse. Um, we're the people that work in the industry are diverse, but the fan base is like, it was like differently diverse. And I'm like, okay, well, we go to the clash. Well, the clash is at the Coliseum in LA, like probably one of the biggest melting pots that you can ever go to. When I tell you the amount of different faces I saw there was out of control. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It's amazing. So yeah. So what I realized was NASCAR has always been diverse. But guess what? You can't just drop a mile and a half racetrack in the middle of Boston. You can't just put it in the middle of Chicago. You can't even put it close to those places. Right. That's a lot of land. It costs a lot of money to do that. So where are these tracks a lot? Out in the middle of some oil field or by where nothing's been developed. Small town America with small town right. ideas and mindsets. And land is cheap out there. Yep. So like, you know, 
So even though, you know, Fontana is only 55 miles from L.A., it's a two and a half hour drive because of traffic. Like, yeah. if I'm in Charlotte, that's not a big deal. But if you're from L.A., California, like I ain't driving all the way out there. I get that. Now, we had a great fan base show out for Fontana. It was beautiful to see. But there's a lot of people that were in L.A. that only went to the Coliseum for the first time. Guarantee you they came out to Fontana because of that first experience in LA. So, you know, we just haven't been able to go to the right markets. And now, now we can, cause we can, all I need is a soccer field now and I can put a racetrack in it. So that's really cool. I think, I think into the future here, especially the very near future, you're going to see a lot more diversity explode, um, explode in NASCAR from a fan base standpoint, for sure. I'm excited about that. I think seeing your face on TV gives a lot of people a lot of things to get excited about, too, to be honest with you. Dang, man. I, I appreciate that. Because, you know, when I'm, watch, when I'm watching Backseat Drivers and it's you and Alex Weaver, I'm like, here we have a woman who's like the main person. We have Mamba Smith who knows his shit in each race, in races every once in a while. It's like that's like legit representation. And yeah. you've been doing it a while, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not, like, and so that's the interesting thing, right? Is like, is I've been here for ten years, so you know, ten, eleven, fucking eleven. Um, people here know me, and I'm very well in the in my community, but the fan base doesn't know who Mamba Smith is. Like, there's a lot of people that have seen my tweets, they've seen my posts. Um, you know, I have a, a great support system of people that like are actively in my socials that I communicate with, but we just went from, you know, maybe 9,000 people to 4 million people. Those 4 million have no idea who Mamba Smith is. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I got to reintroduce myself. <laughs> my Please allow Mamba. me to introduce <laughs> myself. My exactly. name is Mamba. <laughs> hey, that's no, where right. it is. And, um, and that's been fun, right? Like people aren't, and, and, you know, the show has really given me that. And I've been at the racetrack more. And people are like, oh, you Mamba from Twitter? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, I love your post. I love what you do. Like, can we get a picture? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, I love that you love it. Like, like I appreciate you. You don't know what that means to me that, that you know, well, I'm all the way out here in California. And you recognize, you know, the effort and the, like, and you see me as a person, right? Like, I don't care what color or whatever I am. Like, you just, you're, because, because my, what I do is authentically me. So what you see on my socials, what you see on yep. the show, none of my life is scripted. It's just straight out of the box. So like, if you appreciate that, then you're appreciating me as a person. And that really, that Matt, that means a lot. So. You uh, ever come to Phoenix? Actually. Uh, I'm getting on a plane to Phoenix on Friday morning. Okay. Well, if I ever see you, <laughs> yo, man, can we take a picture together? <laughs> Bro, I don't know why I wouldn't see you this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Well, let me ask you this. What's a Mamba Smith pet peeve? Oh, my God. A Mamba Smith pet peeve. My biggest pet peeve is, is hypocrites. Um, if you say something that you don't like and then you go off and do that thing you don't like to somebody else i hate that like i i it's a that's a really hard one uh for me to 
Like, it's a really hard turn off. I'm like, really? Like, because that's almost like, that's like in your face fake. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different type of fake. Like, you might not even be doing that on purpose. And I, like my friends that, that kind of fall into that sometimes, like, I'll be sure to yank their chain a little bit and be like, so you're mad at this person for this, but didn't right. you just do this, this, and this? And they're like, uh, yeah. I'm like, so you really can't be that mad. Like, and, and uh, so that's that. And um, uh, just, just honestly, like, just being an asshole for no reason. Like, I just don't. People that care, if so, if someone's doing something that's not hurting anybody, like social media has given people this false thing to where they feel like that they can say whatever they want. Yes, you keyboard the, commandos. You the, yeah, you get the you get the freedom of speech. Right, but you don't. You also have the freedom to shut the hell up. Yeah, not be a like, jerk. Yeah, just don't be a don't be a prick for no reason. Like, okay, you don't like what is going on right here, right? But it might not have anything to do with you specifically. I'll give you a perfect example. The pe- people were mad about the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, which which I I gotta tell you, the people I was watching the Super Bowl with. We had the whole living room bumping. Like the whole living room was singing along. I've never been a part of that before in my entire life. Like and you're I, a young guy too. Yeah, like I mean, I remember a lot a good handful of Super Bowls, but like I've never seen a group of people sing along with the artist that's doing the Super Bowl. Everyone's like, Oh, well, the Prince one was way better. I'm like, Yeah, maybe, yeah. but that wasn't for me. Like I can't I remember it, but I, I'm not. I wasn't into music like that. Then I wasn't listening to Prince. If I was, so I, I can appreciate that you think that for you. That was for you. This this was for us. Like people took that took that Super Bowl after I'm like really personal. Right. I'm like it was it kind of funny. For, it just wasn't for you. Yeah. Like you had your you had your however twenty. 25 Super Bowls. Like, I promise you, in 20 years, I'm probably going to hate the Super Bowl halftime too because I'm not going to understand the music. Well, it's, it's a okay. lot of, it's <laughs> hypocritical, just like you were saying in a way where people are like, well, if you were from the 90s hip hop, you loved it. Everybody else, is like, wait a minute, what about when we, and I don't remember how long it's been, but when you bring up, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I like them, but people aren't complaining. Right. If you bring up Aerosmith, everyone's going to be excited. Wait a minute, man. They peaked, you know what I mean? They peaked in the 80s. Yeah. You know? Like, bro, does, does Aerosmith get you hype? Do you get excited to listen to Aerosmith? No. I listen to, if I'm listening to rock music, I'm like working on a car. Like, yeah. It's like a, it's like I'm in a, in a zone. Or like maybe you're working out, right? Even then, I don't even think many people work out to like rock music. But like what we saw for the Super Bowl, yeah, that was... The whole place was electric. They, you could have ran, you could have powered probably LA for 10, 10 days <laughs> off of the energy that was created from that place at that time. Like it yeah. was wild. Tony Stark arc reactor. Oh my, just like that. Tony Stark would have dropped in just so he could have plugged into the energy that was going on. It for was real. I mean, it was, and so, you know, those same people though, they also didn't like, seeing Ice Cube at the Clash doing his halftime performance of the NASCAR race. Same right. type of people. Yep. Yeah, okay, that music's not for you. Like, oh, everything was great except get the rap off. Like The rap. Like, yeah, okay, like, you don't like rap. 
but you don't have to. You want us all to listen to like some slow like jams? Like no, like come on, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to get these kids hyped up. Like, I want people to come to the NASCAR race and want to throw a party. Like that's it. I'm here to entertain. I'm sorry you weren't entertained, but the masses loved it. So I don't know what to do with that. With some Peter Paul and Mary up on stage. What is a yeah. what's a car that you like that most people wouldn't wouldn't know that you like? Ooh. Um like I think people I like. people who know Mamba Smith may be like, all right, well he likes the Ferrari, the four eighty eights. But what's a car yeah. where you're like, you know what I really if I'm I just had a few money, you know, what would I have? Even if it's for six months. Dude, even with FU money, I have fallen in love with the Dodge Durango 392. I mean, fallen head over heels in love with that vehicle. My brother-in-law has uh, that has that truck. I yeah, I want it so bad. I'm I've been trying to get it for like two years, but you know, COVID really slowed up like money influx. Yep. What um, color? What color are you getting? I I really like the 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 green. I really like the green, the green color. I like green and blue. Um, Nobody likes green cars, green. man. I know no one likes it. I, listen, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm the guy that if no one likes it, I like it. Because I don't want anyone to have the same stuff that uh, I have. I just pulled it up. It's, it's, when you say green, I'm thinking like. It's not like lime green. This is it's nice. Like, it's like hunter. It's like dark green. Yeah. It's almost like a military green. Yeah, it's like almost a like a almost an army green, but not quite. It's a little yep. bit, it's a little bit not as deep. But I'm a I like green on on vehicles um, if it's the right color. Uh, other than that, it's just like black. Like my car is white, but I wanted it in black. Just happened to get it in white, which I'll never not get my car the right color ever again. Because every time I look at it, I'm like, I like this car, but it's not it's not the one I wanted. How do you know Ryan Eversley? I know Ryan through Rutledge Wood. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, right. and, on, and honestly, no doubt, like, me and Ryan have known of each other. I've interviewed him before. Uh, we've cut up on socials a bunch. But I, this past weekend in Austin was the first time I actually met him in person. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we've been cool for a while, like a, yeah. good, a hot minute. But it's just the first time, like, we've actually been in the same place at the same time. So, um that was really cool. It was cool to catch up with him. He's a good dude. He's a he's a he's a wheel man. He's someone who's earned it. He deserves to be in a full time car on a high level. He's really good. He's a good racer, and he, he he does a lot of you know testing and and driving for I guess Honda and Acura every once in a while. But yeah, he's he's on a. I feel like he's on a tough deal because like it looks really sexy from the outside looking in. Yeah. When you're like, oh, you're like the go-to test driver. It's like, yeah, but when you're good enough to be the driver, it's like, like you know, yeah, it's it's hard. He's in a hard spot. See, sports car racing is different. It's hard. It's hard mentally because people buy your ride a lot faster there than they do in NASCAR. Right. Because they have they got fu money. Mama Smith, how can people follow you if they're just on the other side of the moon like me and didn't hear about you till like December? Uh, <laughs> oh man, look, but you got um, a fan to me, man. You got a fan, and I, I don't, bro, I've never disliked NASCAR, but I'm paying more attention, man. I appreciate that because that's what I'm trying to do. You can't, everyone can find me on Mamba Smith at Mamba Smith 34. That's literally all my socials for everything except Snapchat, which is just Mamba 34. So, you know, that's where I'm at. 
my DMs are open if anyone wants to have conversation and whether it be, you know, something about something serious or you just need someone to talk to that sometimes talking to strangers is kind of easier and because they have That's their perspective. a factual statement. No, like their perspective has nothing to do with you personally. They're just looking at it from a very straight line situation, you know, and, um, you know, I, I, I'm not like, I think I joke that I'm a life coach. Like <laughs> I'm not certified or anything like that, but um, I do enjoy helping people. And if, if there's any way that I can ever help, help somebody, you know, I try to do so. So hit me up, man. No, we're having a good time. We're rocking out with uh, motorsports and NASCAR. And this weekend's actually the first weekend I won't be at Gator Nationals in like three years, which is NHRA's uh, big race in, in, uh, in Florida. Um, it's weird not being there, to be honest. But, uh, you know. Say la vie. We're going NASCAR racing in Phoenix, so I'm excited. NASCAR racing in Phoenix. Hit me up if you have an opportunity to, man. Bro, I definitely will. I land, uh, I land Friday, so um, Friday, Friday night or Saturday night. You know, as long as you're feeling up to it, you can. Uh, we can get a couple, couple cocktails. Get a couple and, trulies. Uh, Couple no, you can't get into it. I'll get a couple of truths. <laughs> oh, you paid attention, my man. Yeah, listen, I listen, I I listen. I I, I that's the thing. You got to pay attention to your people. Right. So no, man, I appreciate you having me on. It was honestly a a, a pleasure, and um, I hope that I hope the best for your your podcast you got going here and your family and everything else in in life. We'll do it again. Yeah, absolutely, anytime. That was a lot of fun. I want to thank Mama Smith for joining. Um, this was, we recorded this earlier this past week, probably midweek, maybe on Wednesday. Right now it's Sunday, March 13th when I'm recording this closing. Mamba is in town out here in Phoenix. The race is going on literally right now as we record. I was unable to link up with him. I have, I'm still getting over the sickness that I got coming back from Florida. Actually, I sound the, as best as I've sounded. Like today, I sound good, but I'm still coughing crap up. I had bronchitis this week. Last week, I had, I think I had strep. I'm on antibiotics. Thank you, everybody, for reaching out and making sure I'm okay. But I really would have liked to have linked up and checked this guy out, man. He's he's such a high, he's a high, you could tell he's a high energy and really good kid. And I can say kid because I'm 46 and he's 30. And I would love to get to know him better, and I would love to have him back on this show. He has a winning personality, and he has a really fresh outlook and perspective on things. And like he said, he's an old soul. I mean, he's been around older people growing up his whole life. And, man, I mean, with I've always said this, with age comes perspective. But, man, I that 30-year-old Mama Smith's got his shit together. And if he just keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to get everything he ever wants in life. I went to a NASCAR event once out here in Phoenix. Many years ago, we had first formed One Auto Movement. Uh, Aaron, which was one of the founders. Well, I guess you're always going to be one of the founders, right? He was one of the original founders of the One Auto Movement that I am uh, the owner of right now. And when he was in North Carolina, he had gone to NASCAR mechanic school. One of his buddies is, was the lead crew chief on the NICO team. 
So when Nico was out here, we all linked up and he got us a bunch of cold passes, a couple cold passes. And what a cold there's a cold pass and there's a hot pass in NASCAR. And it could be in, in, in other things too, but the cold pass, you can do everything you can do in the hot pass. But what what the difference is, once the engines are on and the cars are running, if you have a cold pass, you have to get out of there. And if you have a hot pass, you can hang out in the pits and do all that kind of stuff and celebrate with the winners if they win and stuff. We had a cold pass and it was all access and we were in there and it's just, it was so cool to be, because I only know NASCAR from TV. And when you're inside the pits, you're like, holy shit, that's Jeff Gordon just walked in front of me. It's like, oh, that's, that's Jimmy Johnson's car, like right there. You know, you can kind of walk out on the track when all the cars are lined up. And it's like, that's, holy shit, that's Danica Patrick. And it's just this crazy thing where everyone's right there. And I've experienced that a little bit on a micro level, getting to hang out with Peter Cunningham a few times. And it's really kind of special to be around these people that you just see on TV and you just kind of, you just keep your cool. It's not like you don't jump up and down and get excited about it, but you're just, you notice it and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Man, that's cool. But the thing is, once once the engines came on and they wanted us to leave, we didn't. We just hung out. And he the, and the, the guy that we were with, he said, look, just stay right here. If anyone asks, say you're with me. Try to hide your passes. Don't wander. And you could tell people, like the police officers and stuff, were kind of looking over at us, just kind of wondering what we were doing there. And if we would have made it more than like 10 feet away from our position, we would have been snagged and kicked out. We stayed for probably 30, 40 minutes after the race started, and then we kind of left. But it was super cool. It was a cool experience. But I'm a, you know, I've, I've, NASCAR's never been something I've really been really that much into, into at all. But I have noticed I'll be out and about, and I'll be at a bar or something, and it'll be like the last 10 laps. And you look up, and you see it on TV, and everyone's kind of gathered around the TV, and it's exciting. It's exciting to watch it come down. Just watching racing in general is it's exciting. When I watched the Formula One season finale over at another friend's house, it was it was amazing. It was fun to watch. And I'm paying more attention to NASCAR even now. Seeing people like Dylan on TV, on the shows. I did some research in a NASCAR diversity, and they he's right, man. They they've been celebrating this for a long time. And they've been bringing people in and out the whole the whole time. And it sounds like I mean, you mentalities are mentalities, but it sounds like it's in a lot better position than I think the public thinks it is. It was just a few years ago, the big thing about NASCAR finally taking down the, the flag. That was an amazing move because the public perception, and apparently even within the sport, people were ready for it to go. And when they finally did it, it was just like, a lot of us were like, oh, wow, they finally get it. They're the last sport to actually get it. But I think... I think Mamba said some really telling things. And when you go in the inside office, the inner workings, the people who are actually pulling the strings, the people who actually make this work from the top down, it's been there. Diversity's been there for a long time. I don't know if you can say the same about other places. There's some women in the front office. There is mixed races in some of the front offices of some sports, but not from the ownership, not from the high-end executives. Sounds like NASCAR's been doing it for a while. It's time for the rest of us to pay attention. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and go tell a friend about it. Leave a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you find this. Those reviews do mean a lot. I know it's hard. People like to complain, but they don't like to give thumbs up. Just thumbs down. 
Don't thumbs down me. Thumb me up. Thumb me up. Stick your thumb up me. Give me... Yeah. That. I'm going to leave that in there. I'm not even going to edit that out because I said it. One thing, right Honda and right Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Four-wheel online. Sell shop wireless services. Fountain Hills Motorsports. And Patreon business supporter, Kui Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida. If you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, join the Patreon for as little $3 a month. Get access to bonus audio as well as show swag. Still got to send out the new logos, guys. I apologize. I have the sticker sitting right here in front of me. I will get those out this week. And then I'll list the other ones online. If you have any questions for the show, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at jfinning. That's J-H-A-E-P-F-E-N-N-I-N-G. Or J-Travels, J-H-A-E underscore travels. Join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group. Subscribe YouTube.com, Hard Parking Podcast. Facebook, Hard Parking Media. I can't grow without you telling the world how good the show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together, and I will talk to you all next week. A beater. Shut up!